Um, yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, we'll uh, just dive sort of dive into it. But yeah, it's been really good, mate. Um, yeah, absolutely. it's been pretty about a year since we caught up, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. We catched up over breakfast. Um, fantastic. I've been seeing what you've been doing as well. Congratulations on everything. Oh, thank um, you. forming the new businesses. Very exciting stuff. So hopefully that's a successful. Yeah, yeah. I've been a little bit quiet on the socials recently, to be honest with you. But yeah. um, but uh, but now I've seen I've seen you've been posting away and doing your bits, so that's good. Thank you very much. No, I mean like on going on to your point about being quiet on social media. I mean every now and again, um, it's normal, right, for somebody to focus on something else. And social media, what I feel, it's a um, it's a, it's an expression tool to document what you're doing, right? So if there's a period in which that you need to focus on something else. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't fit within what you're doing then naturally you don't have to stay constant right um yeah absolutely so it's um if it's if you have something to document if um if you're in the right mind frame to document it then fantastic if not then take it I, I must um, remember we might have some listeners uh, who might be tuning in at some point. Um, so just to share with you guys we're just having a quick catch up because um Sam and I connected um well, probably maybe three, three years ago, something three like that. Three and a half years ago, yeah. Yeah, and um, um, we did actually a, a podcast in a, was that? I can't remember if we published it on YouTube or not, I can't remember a while back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was just yeah. like the three, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and then, um, so we will talk about startup chats in a minute, guys, so do bear with us. But, you know, hopefully you get to see a little bit behind the scenes where we actually, you know, show a, a human side and it's not all polished and all the rest of it um so yeah so we then caught up when i was up in london um and that was great you know because i think you know isn't it nice to be able to connect with people on social but actually meet them as for real and you know you can you know see the color of their eyes and actually get to know them properly and so we caught, caught up had a nice breakfast and then we both had to dart off and do our own thing but um but yeah that was great but that's a while ago isn't it yeah, absolutely. It was an absolute pleasure, like you said, to put a face to a name, right? Or to put a face to a um, a social media account. Um, yeah. Of course, if social media is done correctly, then it's an expression or an extension of who you actually are. But sometimes there are um, there are a few bits and pieces that get lost in translation um, um, because it's a technical form to, of self-expression, right? So unless you've actually met someone face to face, it's um it's then you start to fill in the the blanks and the gaps and it's much more natural definitely i think that's a very good point it's almost like it can be very one-dimensional even though you feel you you know somebody but it is a a one-dimensional element that you get to the condensed version of that like you said one-dimensional so um yeah so um well let's just do a quick intro for the um audience just to sort of introduce you um and so they know you know who you are what you're about and and we'll just you know um you know do some publicity for you i guess (laughs) absolutely thank you very much my name is semset in carahan um i'm the founder of sinopoli we're an architecture um company that specializes within planning permission um and personally i'm best known for maximizing um, floor space of low-rise residential buildings and securing planning permission for contentious residential developments. And 
is it is it sort of very sort of urban is that your niche is that is that sort of like city yeah. centered in the towns urban sort of development primarily i like to focus on low rise um so typical terraced semi detached detached buildings land development and so on personally i was actually having a conversation um yesterday with a property investor um, who has, um, of course, with investors backing from um, the Middle East and so on. And very transparently, I say my sweet spot is between six and 10 units. That's the, um, that's the range that I like to say, because I like to stick to what I do best. And um, I believe when you start to go above 10 units, we can facilitate it, but it's not something that I, um, that I like to do as of now. But it's mainly six to 10 units. That's the sweet spot. Um, but typically it's for homeowners, landlords, developers, investors uh, with um, with low rise residential property. Brilliant. I'd imagine there's definitely a need for that with investors who want to maximize number of rooms and things like that for Absolutely. You know, HMOs and things like that. So that's interesting. Uh, Sam, I didn't really, are, are you an architect as well as a, a planning expert? Architectural. So, of course, we provide architectural services, right? Um, yeah. Architectural services, but we specialize primarily within planning permission. We design a proposal and that's how we maximize the footprint, but we have to secure planning permission for it as well, right? So planning permission and planning policy is on the forefront, but it is supported by planning compliant design. I guess that whole sort of, uh, you know, there's multiple elements that need to go into something like that. So it, it, you, so Zenopoly sort of covers all of those aspects fundamentally. Absolutely, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, let's um, just chat about... Do, um, sorry to cut you off there, ben. Uh, ben. We do the first hurdle, right? I think of it as a relay race for a client or a property investor. And there's different stages for them to start and complete. We do the first, um, which in some respects, a crucial aspect of it, um, which is to start the proposal and also gain consent for that proposal so we can then pass on the baton to the next professional who would take them through the, um, the, um, the chain, if you will. Definitely. I guess without you guys, you know, nothing's going to happen. So in a way, you're the most fundamental, important aspect um, because if you we can't like get the planning, you can't get the planning. Yeah, Nothing else is going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. We like to think, but of course, many professionals, whoever's involved, um, they play a crucial um, part. But like you said, um, without planning permission, there is no start, right? No, definitely. Um, it's going to be interesting chatting, actually, because I think we're going to sort of dive into a bit about how you started, uh, why you started, um, and, and maybe talk about that sort of pre-launch phase, which I'm sort of trying to uh dive into with with various uh, founders um but certainly you know with some of the startups i've chatted to um some of them are SaaS businesses some of them are you know just uh, very technical you know and, and online and all the rest of it so it, i think it's really interesting for the audience to also get that uh, insight from a a more traditional shall we say type of business um and uh and just see you know just see from your perspective because i mean you know not all businesses are you know web tech technical SaaS, or, or whatever so um yeah i mean i think potentially there may be different approaches that needs need to be thought about um but it's interesting i do think there's a lot of fundamentals that can be married over which often get missed with more traditional businesses um potentially so and, the, and that's not to say a lot of SaaS businesses don't make the same mistake so Let's dive into the the beginnings, really. I know I know we've previously talked about it, but again, for the audience now who who are getting to know you, how did you start? Um, you know the company. 
and why? I yeah, absolutely. Um, I so initially I was the um, I was an associate director at another architecture company. Helped them double their office space, nearly double their team, and nearly double their revenue as well. <clears throat> and then as time went on, of course. Um, there are ideas that I'd like to implement and very amicably with the um, previous architecture company, I decided to start Xenopoly. Xenopoly was the solution in the pitfalls that I've experienced during my time as a, um, um, during my professional um, career at that early stage. And um, the three core concepts or the three core values that we want to focus on was maintaining quality, maintaining speed at a reasonable price point as well. Reasonable for the consumer and reasonable for the company as well in order to reinvest and grow and further develop their products and services. <clears throat> so it has to be mutually reasonable. I started um, Xenopoly and um, of course extend, uh, expanded the team from one to four and five um, after a number of a few years, expanded the client base across London, across um, United Kingdom, and even from international um, um, interest as well, from clients from Dubai, Hong Kong, and Germany, specifically in Munich. <clears throat> and um, of course, with a high referral rate as well, built a, um, a, um, an award-winning process. We've been um, <clears throat> recognized by five awards and um, uh, of course with a 70% referral rate as well. But the main reason why I started it because I felt there were pitfalls within architecture, within the, um, the whole chain um, in general. And I wanted to find a way to try and plug those um, pitfalls, not, from a, not just from a consumer standpoint, but from a professional standpoint as well, from the members of team that are working within a company as well. Um, previously, of course, I was working within an office space and now Sinopoli is a um, is a remote organization. Um, I've had the <clears throat> naturally we're able to um, work with professionals regardless of um, borough, regardless of even country, right? And we're still able to deliver the same quality as we would if we were sitting right next to someone. And especially given the current circumstances, it's um, with unfortunately with coronavirus we've seen a rise in that, right? Um, and luckily, unfortunately, we were doing that years back. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's mainly just a, a solution to all of the professional and architectural industry um, pitfalls that I've experienced in my early career. Fantastic. Um, with, um, it's interesting you sort of pick on, um, um, you mentioned the point that you're remote and I was just gonna jump on that, but I'll let you finish. and. Uh, and and you answered it for me. I think it's really interesting how, when you started the business, that was your model. And I wonder how challenging that was before the pandemic and all the rest of it. But then how how it might have helped you in preparation for the pandemic, because obviously you know we're you know well not we're all but you know a lot of people have had to get used to working remotely, um, changing the working practices and all the rest of it. Whereas you guys had it all set up and, and you know, were fully prepared before, before any of this. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's, um, 
the the transition was much more smoother which i'm very grateful for because we i remember in our previous podcast we spoke about processes systems and so on so all of them were already in place the minor mistakes were already done and ironed out within the um team so we can deliver the service at the standard that we expected um so screen sharing video liaising with uh clients liaising with team members that was already ironed out and um, so the transition was quite smooth in that respect from a, um, a, a team member perspective and also from a client perspective as well. Um, and yeah, it was, um, it was fortunate, right? It was, it was very fortunate. Do you, do you ever see um, whether, you know, your path, your, your, the way you work changing as obviously things get back to normal or do you see, or, or is this the business model that you want regardless of whatever's happening outside? I think it's the business model that I want, regardless of what's happening outside, because going back to what I said about starting the company, when I found the company, not only was it to address the pitfalls um, within the industry, but is to address the pitfalls within, um, from a professional perspective, for people working within the company. And I was a huge advocate on remote um, working beforehand, right? And um, so I don't see myself going back into that form of working. I've experienced it. I don't personally prefer it. Um, so I'd like to stick with um, what we're doing now because it's working well, right? Um, it's working well. It's um, the, the quality is maintained. The speed in which we deliver is maintained. And the price point in which we can deliver the quality and the speed is also um, mutually beneficial for everyone involved. If we were to go into the um, the other structure, then naturally or slightly change the um, the price point as well. And um, I'd rather our clients pay for the service and pay for the products directly as opposed to paying for the infrastructure. Right? It's not fair on them. Um, so why should they? Um, so that's the whole point. I don't personally, I don't see myself going. Yeah, definitely. I think there's probably a lot of uh, big law firms and all the rest of it who have big <coughs> shiny offices are probably just starting to review their, these, these, uh, these thoughts and these ideas. Um, ultimately, you know, the clients are paying for that big shiny office and wherever exactly, it is. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think that's the reality, isn't it? Um, and it's a bit of a, yeah, I, I won't say it. Um, because I know my little boy listens to my podcast now. <laughs> so I gotta make sure I don't I gotta yeah anyway. So we'll move yeah, on. So um with um with yeah so going back to again pre-launching um the business you were pretty clear on the, the idea of wanting a, a remote business. Was that driven because you mentioned both uh, for the for the industry professionals but also benefits to the consumer what was the sort of, um, was that just a sort of, a, you know, I guess what I'm trying to get is where, where, did that where, come from? You, where, where were you thinking in terms of, okay, how do I, you know, were you thinking about your audience before you launched yeah, and sure. how you can build a strong proposal? Um, because I think part of a whole good pre-launch is really focusing on the audience you want to attack. Often a lot of businesses start um, in all, all sorts of, you know, industries and businesses, and, and they just focus on what they're doing and they try and sort of deliver it to everybody. And then they slowly refine their audience, realizing that mm. who they thought was their, you know, potential good customer isn't, and, you know, they evolve and they adapt their, their offering and their, their product lines and all the rest of it. So were you quite sort of, 
you know, focus on a particular audience and then how you're going to deliver that, i.e. the remote stuff, or have you had a sort of change <coughs> since your launch? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I mean, great question. I, um, I pride myself on being able to put myself in the shoes of either a team member or either, uh, either a client, right? Um, so knowing what they, um, what their pain points are, knowing what their desires are, and to help to try and find a, um, a common ground and um, to fill that gap. Um, so going back into the, the reason why I chose that structure, it was, um, I mean, respectfully, it was personal, right? It was a personal preference. And I knew for me to be able to deliver the, at, the, uh, at the standard in, in which I know that I can deliver something, um, a service or a product, then I need this sort of structure, right? Um, and then naturally, when I start, then the um, the um, the the ideal client base and the ideal um, team um, <clears throat> naturally forms around that, right? They form around the environment that you create. And um, so going so that's into interesting. It, so you sorry, Sam. So you so you so you focused on what the, uh, the the type of business you want to create um that was your primary focus and you, you know you, you sort of expected then the, the the clients to be naturally attracted to you as opposed to going i'm after that type of client and we're going to develop this proposal you you wanted to get the the right working environment for you and and either's fine i think actually i think it's haven't been clear what you want to try and achieve um and then from from creating that proposal that you're happy to work within you knew the right clients would come to you because you I mean you sort of touched on it you're right at the beginning that your focus is a particular type of you know development and, and all the rest of it mm -hmm. so um, was that also from the beginning did you know that or did that evolve yeah i think it's um it's um it's definitely like that from the beginning and to go on your point of um because it's been a long time since i've actually thought about these topics which is great that you've actually evoked them right um <laughs> but just to go back on that point another um another key consideration into both of those decisions the company structure or the the offering it's um it's what's viable as well right um of course it's a personal preference but it's also um, what makes uh, long-term sense. If you're specific in your approach, then it's much more, um, uh, it's, it's a better starting point, right? You're de-risking in some respects as well. So what went into the decision of being remote in some respects is it's um, thinking about it. It's um, of course, primarily it's the environment in which I want to create. Um, and it's the environment in which after after a lot of research that I felt is a healthy environment for members of team to work in. Um, and I've had a look at all of the statistics saying by 2020, um, at least 50% of the UK workforce would be um, working or have the opportunity to work remotely, right? So I saw these studies three, three and a half years ago um, and even maybe four years ago. Um, so of course it lends itself into my decision and it makes me future-proof, um, think to future-proof the, um, the business and the structure whilst coincidentally um, coinciding with my personal preference as well, right? Um, so yeah, it, it, goes into, it goes into personal preference and, um, and research uh, to de-risk and future-proof 
the business, whether it's the refining the offering to be very specific, especially in the beginning, or whether to um, whether it's the company structure. If you're if you have an offering, just as a general rule of thumb, it's always good to be specific, right? Especially in the um, the um, the climate that we're living in now, in terms of our industry, it's um, there's a lot of vagueness, um, and the days of a generalist are slightly behind us. So everyone wants to um, naturally, everyone needs and wants a specialist, right? Who focuses specifically on one um, subject. Of course, in the long run, you um, you you sacrifice in some respects some. Um, some some business or additional revenue in some areas but you're um but you're thinking long term um, and future proofing your business by focusing one specific area regardless of which carrot is dangled next to you right um but being very specific and being true to that and um and naturally it pays itself in dividends a few years later <clears throat> because Definitely. you become Did the go-to person Definitely. Sorry, Did yeah. you know that before you launched that, that focus, that, that yes. clear direction? Yes. I think that's really interesting because I think so many businesses who start out um, don't. And I think you hit the absolute nail on the head, the importance of really defining who you are, your audience, your offer, and, and, and being as, as niche as you possibly can, because ultimately you can't help everybody. Not everyone's going to like you. So, you know, find your find your you know what, what makes you special and to go so deep into that area um it will help on, on so many levels and i've talked about this on lots of other podcasts so i think um that's something you know i i think that's a great example for anyone listening to you know to listen to you and say you know and, mm -hmm. and learn to go well actually you know sam was really focused on his audience you know happy to sort of just any any of the peripheral you know keep to one side mm -hmm. i'm i'm you know, focus on a particular direction. Um, I know my audience, you know, I know the offer and, and you can just accelerate so much faster without getting distracted from a shiny thing over here and a, or a shiny opportunity over there. And should I just do this little bit, which is slightly different. Yeah. It's not within my, mm. you know, I've talked about it before. I talk about, you know, your core offer, really hone and know your core offer and, and focus everything towards that both in terms of service, delivery, but also marketing and the messaging. And, you know, you'll be so much more successful because your messaging is clear. Later, you know, when things evolve and things develop, it's not to say you can't, you know, evolve the offerings and the services mm -hmm. and all the rest of it. But if you do everything and it's all a bit average, mm -hmm. You, you, you know, exactly. you're not going to be as strong as somebody who's really dedicated to particular focus. So exactly. I think it's interesting exactly. on many levels from branding, from the service, from, you know, all the rest of it. So exactly. That's really it's, um, going back. To, absolutely. I, I agree with everything that you said, going back into um, going back into. Um, sorry, just give me one moment. I think the. Um, Your camera is fine, by the way. Okay, perfect. So I think it just yeah, it did go fuzzy. Off. It did go fuzzy, um, but I just don't worry. <laughs> Anyone listening on the podcast yeah, no will see. It's yeah, just no, the YouTube no worries. Will go. Why is yeah, that fuzzy? No, no worries. No worries. Um, but what I would say is, um, it's it's been very. Um, there has been opportunities for me to go somewhere else, right? And um, and I was tempted, and I of course naturally any business owner would make small mistakes on the way. But it's very important to always remember why you started, how you started, with what did you start with, 
um, and um, as a reference point to make sure that you stay on course. There are many generalists there, so you have to be um, dedicated to one specific solution or answering one specific industry problem. And once you've answered it and you've answered it well and you've done it over and over and over and again, then you can start to develop and branch out to another um, um, answering another industry yeah, uh, uh, question, right? So it's um it's one of those um it's one of those situations, Ben. It's been very specific and it's paid in dividends. It's paid back in um in, in dividends. And I'd advise anyone to um to naturally uh, know your audience know what you want to go into know your offering and just refine it refine it right it's an endurance race it's not a sprint um i remember you saying one thing from the previous podcast it's um, business is somewhat of a sport right um it's a long-term game um and um you shouldn't be in there for the quick gains you should be in there to work um in for the long term with your clients for the long term with your team members and for the long term in trying to tackle this industry question or this industry um, problem and then do it well, right? And then naturally you'll be established as an industry leader. 100%. No, I, um, I'll, I'll just let you carry on. I think you did a great job. You hit the nail on the head. No, no, no worries. And hopefully, hopefully I still look attractive without the light. And the, um, I'm not sure what happened <laughs> with the technical issue, but no worries. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so no, no, I can, I completely agree with everything you said. The get back again to your business. Um, and how did you, before you launched, how did you start thinking about how you're going to differentiate yourself from your, from your competitors? Because obviously, you know, when any business starts doing any sort of competitor analysis is, is a good exercise to do. And actually, even even after you've started, because things do develop and do change, um, how do you sort of you know differentiate yourself and, and position yourself in the market? Um, I think it's um, I think it's kind of funny because a lot of this I'm, I know that there must be formulas out there. <clears throat> I know that there must be more research, but a lot of this is what I felt is natural to me, right? Um, I wanted to be within. Was that coming industry. from conversations you've had with clients, or was it just conversations you've yeah, had yeah, with no, other professionals? Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, it's it's um, it's going towards natural of you, but it's um it's those conversations, right? It's um I mean just to take a step back, sorry Ben, it's um I wanted to be in this industry since I was thirteen years old, right? Um, so this is my industry. I will stay in this industry. Um. Um, until hopefully until um, retirement, even after retirement, I'll still be in this industry. <clears throat> so this is my industry and there's many components within this industry. Um, so over time, naturally, when I say it's natural to me, it's because I've done those research for many years, right? Whether it's direct, whether it's indirect, whether it's primary, whether it's secondary, um, I've done that research and it's naturally informed my decisions. Um, but of course, when you do start, it's very important to take it step by step and refine. So every step you take, take two steps back to refine. One step growth, two steps back and refine. By refining, one form of refinement is speaking to your clients. <clears throat> so you take one step forward, for example, you have one client. When you have one client and you successfully complete the project, take two steps back and speak to the client assess the project, what went well, what went wrong, 
um, how did you even get that client, right? Um, if you were to do something again, um, what would you change? What would you continue? What would you add? Um, and then naturally, when you do that in these small incremental steps, you, um, you start to refine, right? But the only issue happens is when you get overwhelmed and over, um, um, uh, overbogged with, um, with other day-to-day -day operational stuff as you go on, that you start to push this to one side. But this should be in the forefront to what you do, um, always assessing every step that you've taken. Um, and but again, one of the um, uh, issues in that is you become a lot more micro as well, right? You have to try and straight at the same time take a step back and look at it at a macro level, um, but still refining every step that you take. One step growth, two steps back for refinement, and once you do that, then you'll naturally refine it. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, with with any business that's looking to start in the pre-launch phase. You have a you have an idea of who your audience is, or, or you know who you or the or the service or the offering or uh, your branding, you know all, all of it. Um, but as soon as you start developing an audience, as soon as you start talking to them, um, and post launch and all the rest of it, I, you, you, I think again you hit the nail on the head. It's a constant evolution of testing and tweaking and refining and evolving, and that process does not stop so although Absolutely. again when you start you have an idea and you have a, a you know a perspective of what you think your consumer client customer whatever you want to call them wants or the pain you're trying to you know solve the pain point you're trying to sort of solve for them um ultimately it's a constant you're right it's a constant process of refining testing um and, and developing it, it's it's interesting because i think again different businesses will find uh, different ways of having to do that. Um, I'd imagine, you know, your type of business, it's much more um, around about speaking to your customers directly. Um, some businesses, whether it's, I don't know, e-commerce um, or uh, SaaS businesses, they're going to, you know, they, they might have minimal um, interaction um, mm -hmm. on a human level because, you know, they want to keep costs down. They don't have salespeople on the phones, which costs a lot of money. Um, so they are having to, do that refinement and testing very differently and i think mm. um and that, you know that's using data that's using analytics that's using you know looking at workflows and and all the rest of it um so i think whatever business you're in you've got to really think about how you can do that best efficiently um and and and, and constantly um and almost trying to sort of create the, a process in the way that that happens mm. and that's challenging for every single business because i think you know it's it's something that's really easy to ignore um and if you don't you can go either on the wrong path of delivering the wrong service the wrong product you know all the rest of it um or or, or just you know lose your customers ultimately to a competitor who is actually talking to them and actually hearing their pain so i think it's, it's interesting isn't it? a lot of these pre-launch strategies and important parts of listening to an audience um before launch just carry continues to carry on um and again speaking to a few founders and ceos who, who've launched they often which to me if i find quite interesting they don't often have a an official launch it's almost like well we started and we listened and we evolved and then the audience was growing bigger mm -hmm. and we kept on listening you know and it's constantly testing so uh yeah that was yeah. interesting um did you when you um when you launched yourself did you uh 
sort of have a little glass of champagne or a little beer or uh, think, yeah, I've done it. And I tell you, I tell you what, it's um, it's exactly what you just said. That I think it just happened naturally. It's um, there has been um, there have been glasses of champagne along the way. Um, it was actually last week. I had a um, a glass of champagne with two of our clients, right? Um, but there there have been glasses of champagne on the way, but it's um, not on on the start. It's um, it's, I mean, exactly like you said, it's been that evolution, that natural development and uh, as it goes on. And then I had to literally have a look at the date in which I realised that I started it, right? Um, that's how natural it was um, because my main focus was to, um, to, um, to help cater for clients, to help um, deliver a service that I know that would, um, um, would exceed standards within the industry. Um, so, I mean, when I first started the business, uh, I had clients, right? I was able to get clients there and then. So it kind of felt like I was already doing it before I even started it. Yeah, so going back to what definitely. I said about being in the industry or wanting to be in this industry since I was 13. But I don't think there's been a specific um, um, no. moment that I said, wow, there's no. been many along the way, but it's been um, think- constant. Definitely. It's funny. I, I sort of ask these questions and, um, and, and I know what the answer is because, you know, I've never done it, <laughs> but you sort of, I think from the outside, if you haven't started a, a business and you're thinking about doing it, you think, you know, you, you think, well, maybe I should have a little you know, celebration and maybe, you know, it'd be nice to sort of, you know, acknowledge it. But the, the reality is, I think you'll just, you've often taken a big leap. You know, you might have left something secure. And then suddenly you are put in a position where you are forced to make it work because actually you need yeah. to feed yourself, your family or whoever. So it's not almost a, a celebration. It's almost like, okay, it's, it's getting real now. We need, to, we need to get heads down and just work yeah. hard. <laughs> and we keep yeah, on having absolutely. these milestones, like for us internally, we have these milestones, but we, we, we don't celebrate them enough. And I think, I think that is important, but... Um, absolutely I, I i don't know i'm just you know if I, you might be like me and may, many other people might might be similar that you just focus on just pushing 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 and yeah yeah absolutely you know, without like pausing said, and, and taking a step back and thinking okay yeah, yeah. you know what we're doing is really good and we've achieved something but you know you're constantly yeah, yeah. trying to push aren't you and i think that's the nature of a lot of entrepreneurs founders and ceos yeah i mean like you said it's important to always take a step back and still celebrate wins right I mean, that's, um, it's very, especially when you're working with um, others as well, to acknowledge, um, to acknowledge what they do, to acknowledge what you've done. It's really important. It goes back to what we said about taking every step of growth, two steps of, two steps back from refinement, right? And one of those two steps back can, um, can involve a small celebration for a win. Um, depending on what it is, but of course, don't get carried away. Um, the, your, there's a main objective why you're in um, business or the main reason why you started, right? And um, of course, it's always pushing, 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 like you mm-hmm. said, but there has to be a balance um, of taking a step back every now and again, and even taking a step outside of your business to look at the operations from an outside perspective, to look at how you do things from an outside perspective. But it's important. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, it was just a few days, um, I think it was a week ago, actually, 
Um, I visited one of our clients, we successfully secured planning permission and um, for a new build home, they've got a brand new home and outside of London. Um, lovely, a lot of um, investment went into that. Um, so it was a pleasure just to see them. Of course, I visited the site um, a few weeks before or three, four weeks before I went to Venice. Um, in my, it was funny, right? Because um, the day that I stepped, um, the, the decision was delayed with the council mistakes. They expect they asked for a, um, a time extension. But so coincidentally, that time extension of two weeks, uh, it fell on the time that I was on annual leave. Um, I stepped out the, the Marco Airport in Venice um, and within five minutes, I had a look at my uh, email and I saw a, um, a decision that was coming. Straight away, call my client, say, um, we've got it, excited, um, in the middle of the bus stop, <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone hearing, um, <clears throat> but we're saying we're very excited and um, it was always in my mind. Then we, I brought a, um, a bottle of um, uh, champagne from Venice and when we came back, then naturally we had a small celebration, right? But it's, um, it's things like that that you have to. Um, celebrate wins with people around you. When I say people around you, it's your team and it's your clients, right? You're all a team. Um, you're all a team. And it goes back <clears throat> It goes back into what we said in the beginning of the conversation with the remote organization. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you conduct your business. It doesn't matter um, um, the in operational aspect. As long as everyone's happy and you're delivering a service with the quality, with the speed at a price point that's reasonable for everyone, then happy days, right? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think it's um, I think it's fantastic to be able to share certain things with clients and things like that, um, particularly in service industries. Um, I think that's that's lovely, and and certainly with your industry, it's, I'd imagine it's very you, you work very closely with you know with that client. Um, I wonder in my mind how businesses who are operating on a different level um, mm. with thousands of clients yeah how they can sort of tackle that challenge of still interacting you know and engaging and thanking and celebrating with every single one of those um and and, and i'm yeah, specifically yeah. thinking of those sort of tech businesses um SaaS <clears throat> businesses and all the rest of it um i mean maybe there isn't a maybe there's not a place in it for that type of thing or maybe there is but i think it's 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 interesting because obviously a lot of different considerations can has have to be made. Um, yeah. Just get your thoughts on that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's an interesting, um, it's interesting, right? The um, once, if you do want to replicate exactly what that is, then of course it's, um, it's hiring one um, sales manager or, or something along that, or along that title one per 10, customers for example but again it's very expensive it's very um it's, it may not be viable for that business but that's the clear-cut um solution but the other solution if you do want to try and um um, um if you do want to try and mitigate that expensive um option um and sometimes not viable for a business as well then it's trying to be as personal as you can where you can right i don't mean mm -hmm. superficially just sending a a christmas card and saying or even christmas card that's a great idea right but mm. i don't mean superficially just saying sending a message but i mean really um um you have to try and find a way that you can truly understand that clients or that customer's pain point right whether it's a survey whether it's a um, um, whether it's 
um, picking up the phone and speaking to them, right? Um, whether it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you have to try and find a way to, um, that's viable for the business, to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with your customer, regardless of how many customers you have, and understand one piece of, um, one, um, one pain point from them, right? One pain point of, or understand one, just one good spec, what went well or what went wrong, right? Mm. Just understand one thing from them and address it. When you do that on a one-to-one -one level, um, then, then it's great, right? If, I, if you have a thousand customers on your e-commerce website, for example, a thousand a month, let's say, right? If you have a thousand a month, then, I mean, if, if you're, what's stopping you from picking up the phone um, and this is a um, what's stopping you from picking up the phone and speaking to a hundred of them, right? A hundred of them, and after a few weeks, you probably get through a thousand, right? Um, spending a ten-minute call with a very refined list. Um, I mean, there is. I'm just trying to think of a, an idea that can save time, but there isn't. Yeah, right? no, 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 don't worry. I don't want to put you on the spot. I think, right? Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put you on the spot. There's but, there, yeah, there's no way. Sorry to cut you off, but there's no way around just one-on-one -on -one communication. There's no way around it. You can I try think, and create a survey. You yeah. can create all of that, but you, there has to be one-on-one. -on -one. Whether I think you it's hire someone to do it or whether you do it yourself. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's very. Um, it's going to be very specific and 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 to any to any relevant business and depending on their market and their audience and the rest of it but um i certainly um it, it's an interesting challenge that um i think businesses actually because this is something i'm sort of thinking about with, with what i'm working on is you know creating almost like a um a cohort of uh, people who can um give you that feedback you know you call it you know, beta testers don't you to begin yeah. with i guess um and you, you sort of you might not necessarily be able to engage with you know say you have a hundred initially or whatever um, or fifty or whatever the number is you know you might not be able to necessarily have a conversation with every single one but if you can create like a framework and an environment where they feel valued in terms of their opinion they've got somewhere to showcase their opinion and and be part of something um, that they want to be part of I think that can help build the brand and the culture of that absolutely of that passion for who you're trying to help and i think that's really where possibly where Absolutely. the brand is so important and can come come in and and amplify that message without necessarily physically having to speak to mm -hmm. every single person because at some point it's just yeah, not yeah. practical that's the yeah, reality yeah. um particularly on a, a completely different business to a service yeah, yeah. you know traditional type of industry and and within you know those those sort of cohort of people that you engage with at an early stage you know they can then potentially be you know your biggest advocates and, and brand ambassadors who who just say these guys they're just amazing you know you've got to check them out you know whatever that out is or whatever that thing is um and that's a good point to start with but I, I for me i'm thinking well why can't that just carry on and maybe you, you know that cohort of people grow um, and yep, you yep. manage that cohort of people in the same way that you did before. Again, you can't man maybe speak to them every single one of them on an individual level, but you know, you go to a, a, a place where you all hang out and, and they can sort of, yeah, yeah. you know, tell you what's good, bad, ugly, and all the rest of it, but they have yeah, a they voice have. and they, and, and you're yeah, actively yeah. listening and, and, you know, a good example, again, I'm just thinking um, off the cuff a little bit is yeah. things like uh, Facebook groups 
um, where you know you can actually invite people to come join you and they've got that safe place to you know let rip or or, or give their opinion or, or whatever so i think that's a you know i think i think that's critical early doors from, mm. you know i'm not saying everyone uses facebook groups by the way because yeah. i think it's very relevant to every industry and every business you know you've got to think ultimately you've got to think about how you can engage with your customers that's the point mm. um but on at scale i think that you know you need to be a bit more um mindful but whatever scale you're working at i think brand can help amplify that ultimately that point that you care absolutely and, absolutely. and you'll listen you know so however you listen and care mm. that how you do the doing that's another question yeah, isn't yeah. it but i think the branding yeah, can yeah. help focus and align yeah those yeah. messages yeah i mean like you said you create brand ambassadors right um your client should be your your biggest spokespeople and if you do it well then naturally they are um you shouldn't go into every transaction thinking of i've completed one sale um your allowance or your um your your scorecard should be how many people have you helped right have i helped this person have i not helped this person and when you've got a hundred a thousand ten thousand people at the end of the day then um then naturally if you're you're feeling someone so much that they they want to preach right they want to tell other people they want to tell you about your service um, I've created products off the back of existing clients, right? Their feedback. Um, there was one client that I, I created a planning feasibility assessment. There was one client, I believe it was um, three and a half years ago from Munich, Germany. Um, um, they were searching for sites. They, um, of course, they were slightly unfamiliar with the, um, the regulations and the processes within the UK. And um, I saw that and I wanted to fill a gap, right? I wanted to try and help that pain point. So I created a planning feasibility assessment where it goes in before we have a look at a site, then it assesses um, the site constraints, what can we do on the site, the process moving forward in a very simple to understand breakdown report or now a breakdown email, right? Um, and then now um, it's, um, it's only because we listen to them, right? Um, and of course, from there, we've done many more and they've recommended um, to many more people. And then fast track um, three years later, then now it's turned into a subscription, right? That I've launched um, uh, a few weeks ago, actually, right? A subscription that I've, I have personally haven't seen in, um, in within this industry, but it's a subscription that, um, that allows um, um, that allows us to go in and assess each individual site on a um, on a monthly basis, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, it's creating brand ambassadors, like you said, and having that one to one. If you can achieve it through a Facebook group, fantastic. But the end result is um, creating a tally of how many people you've effectively helped. No, definitely, it's interesting. I think good business. Well, whatever that looks like whether it's an online business or an offline business i think ultimately if you can just focus on the customer and create yes. great results for them the rest will take care of itself i've always believed that and um and you're right you know those people will then be the ones that recommend you and all, and all the rest of it and refer you on and and away you go um, yeah absolutely so moving forward it's a safe uh, yeah no definitely yeah. Um, so moving forward, um, what, what, how do you see the, um, I guess the, the business landscape generally? Um, obviously, there's a lot of changes coming towards the end of this year. How do you, yeah. you see it sort of panning out? 
I think um, generally or personally within. Yeah, just generally, of- generally, and th- and then uh, then I'll dive into you know what your plans are. Yep, yep, absolutely. I think generally there's a lot of people that are going to adopt this um, remote working um, framework and organization, allowing people to work from home. Um, naturally, I believe it will boost employee morale as well, and just the team. Um, um, it will it will it will increase. Um, synergy between teams. Personally, I believe that, right? Because when you're pushed to um, to communicate with one means, then you have to be effective in your communication. And it's only a good thing. It will enhance communication and effectiveness and so on. So I believe a lot of companies will, even after they're allowed to go back into the office, there will be a lot of companies that, um, that opt into not exclusively for remote working, but I believe that they will allow that option for existing uh, uh, employees and team members to um, to exercise, right? That's what I believe. Do you think that's going to have an impact in terms of big city centres like London and, and maybe then rethinking about how yeah. town centres use their spaces? Yeah, absolutely. If you have a look at John Lewis, for example, you know, um, nearly up to um, 40% of their existing floor area along Oxford Street within their flagship store, they've converted and they've repurposed into office, right? Um, so a lot of businesses are rethinking the way that they're um, conducting business, the business model, the refining the strategy and moving forward their services and their products and even their clients. Um, so there's going to be a huge shift in reassessing where everyone is um, effectively what we've seen in planning legislation as well there's been a lot of change um, and which allows the um, the repurposing of business uses specific use classes um, and naturally what that has is a knock-on effect to in central London I believe there will be a lot of businesses which unfortunately will um, um, will uh, um, file for bankruptcy or uh, another form um, of bankruptcy, and we've seen that in the Arcadia and so on, which is very unfortunate with many people losing their um, jobs. But we will see a, a, a repurposing of a lot of large um, commercial premises within central London in the, um, in the coming years. Do you think, do you think uh, there'll be more residential in central? You know, in central, I mean, obviously there's a lot already, but, you know, again, <clears throat> people tend to work in these, you know, real central hubs and live mm. outside do you think that sort of the way people live will change yeah i think um, yeah i believe that they um i mean naturally as with what we've seen from the change in planning legislation they're pushing forward the repurposing of commercial premises as well as the creation of new residential units and making it much more easier um if you have a commercial premise then you can add an additional one or two residential units under permitted development rights subject to your um, building type or subject to your location but we will see a lot of repurposing and i believe that the i mean in some respects personally i believe that central london will be somewhat of a silicon valley right not um not in terms of the um the businesses that i dare but in terms of the concentration of people right um, i believe it's gonna it's not going to be an area where we um where we uh, effectively just visit right it'll be closed off purely for business then naturally as london is is expanding and the even the structure of the boroughs within greater london have changed right so what was considered to be north london is central london now such as the london borough of camden um, now north london is sub it's um exclusive london borough of barnet and so on just a few um, boroughs, but many years ago, then naturally Camden was um, 
was was thought to be included within that bracket. So we know statistically that London is expanding. What was the outskirts of London is now within London, such as London Borough of Croydon even. And we also know that there's been an update in planning legislation. Um, and we also know that there's been a repurposing of commercial premises, right? So what I believe the result of this would be, central London would be exclusively for business. Um, and they will slightly push out traffic um, so when I say it's going to be somewhat of a Silicon Valley, that's how I imagine Silicon Valley to be, right? It's it's that hub um, that um, that it's it's not as accessible, right? And I believe Central London won't be as accessible. Everyone will be pushed out in the outskirts, um, in the suburban areas, and the suburban areas will grow. And especially with the crossrail that's coming in, linking Kent, linking um, uh, outside of London, it's going to be very connected. But Central London is going to be off limits. So then with um it's funny though because then people well people commute in um but then we're talking also about people that working more remotely from home so then if they're working more remotely from home they're not going to need to commute so then what's the point of having the offices right in central london so it's, it's a bit of a paradox I, i'm sort of struggling with that the other thing i'm seeing is a lot of property bigger properties being bought um you know in the countryside um where and and you know a lot of agents are saying they're just you know houses are flying off the shelf you know property prices are going crazy which is just mad yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and there's not enough stock and you think what on earth is going on and i've heard the same has been happening yeah. with high-end properties in america you know yes. um you know there's you know they're just you know prices are going up crazy amounts um it's almost as though people are realizing yeah, yeah, yeah. to me that they don't have to live in a city center or 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 in the suburbs exactly. because now they can exactly. work remotely from home and actually i'd rather have a bigger house with a bit of space and a bit of a bit of a bigger garden and i'll move further away near the coast for example so to me it's all a bit of a paradox and i'm not sure where on earth it's going our house price yeah. is going to carry i mean i know this podcast is talking yeah. about lots of different topics here but we're talking about houses now yeah, guys yeah, yeah. Um, it's a natural yeah. conversation <laughs> <laughs> exactly so you know like what is what on earth's going on our house price is going to carry on on this crazy fashion in 2021 mm. you know are people going to carry on working from home you know working for companies in london and birmingham and manchester and bristol but living in yeah. devon cornwall or wherever or people gonna be working in central london you know and live i don't know i just don't know what on earth's going I, on <laughs> I, I personally from what i've seen i believe that everyone will have a um I mean, the majority of those companies will have a presence within central London, but I believe that the structure is going to allow people to work outside of London um, or the outskirts of Greater London, and um, so there's going to be less activity in terms of um, public um, uh, activity within central London, and that's the way it's looking, right? Especially with the new repurposing, allowing retail to be converted into um, uh, office spaces as easily as they've allowed it, right? So what it seems is, um, it, I mean, it's interesting, it's interesting, but I believe it's um, central London will take the shape of an exclusive hub for um, either blue chip large uh, companies or um, medium scale uh, companies with um, with just presences, right? Um, of course, you've seen a virtual 
uh, addresses and so on, but with presences within London, but everyone will naturally opt to um, live on the outskirts of Greater London or outside of London. Like he said, a lot of people are buying up the um, larger plots outside of London. So what you can buy outside of London, it's much more, um, or, or the, the price in which you pay for a, a flat within London, the same price in some areas outside of London, you're able to propose your own new build home, right? So it's um, it's interesting to see it, right? But I believe central London will be a exclusive hub to, um, to larger companies. There'll be less activity there. Everyone would be naturally pushed outside of London with the company structures, with property prices going up and um, with accessibility and public transport with the introduction of Crossrail. Yeah, you know what, there's a lot of uh, interesting sort of changes, yeah, I guess, yeah. we're living through, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, pretty fundamental. Five years later, we need to come back on the um, podcast and we'll see what's happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so get back to, to you know, your own situation, um, Xenopoly, and um, and plans for that. Where, where, where do you see it going? How do you see it progressing? Any big plans for 2021 and beyond? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's... Um, I mean, since the time that we've spoken, there's been a lot of personal, professional, and um, and uh, there's been a lot of personal, professional development myself, and there's been a lot of um, development within a company as well, right? So, of course, being a business owner, it's um, it's developing um, as a whole. And um, I, I had a look at the um, um, the what we spoke about briefly in the previous, and I know that we said um, just personal I just want to see it um, and I know that said um, I wanted to maintain the core values of um, quality service and speed which thankfully I have that's why we've got a five-star rating that's why we've got an awarded um, uh, company I've, <clears throat> I remember saying I wanted a nationwide presence um, again that's why we've um, I mean we've worked extensively within um, boroughs of Greater London, Luton, outside London, Luton, Oxford, Gravesham, Maidstone, um, Reading, Kent, Gillingham, um, so all of those areas as well. And of course, we've been awarded um, uh, or recognised with five awards, specifically within Southeast England. So again, some respects that may be a nationwide presence, right? Um, but then the other thing that I said was um, 50 members of team. So what I felt is um, it's 50 team members, I believe, um, what I learned is it will dramatically reduce quality, which I don't want, which I'm against. Um, so um, I've built a small and effective team of four to five, um, and I believe that's enough. But 2021 would be the year of partnership for me, right? It would be the year of, um, I've had many opportunities where people approaching me asking to partner, whether it's in a professional capacity or, um, or uh, and so on. But I've always pushed the one side to so going back to what we said about being specific in my offering, um, respectfully pushed the one side. But now 2021 would be the year of partnerships, not only um, externally, but internally as well. Um, so again, it would, it would echo the idea that I had about having 50 team members, right? The concept behind it, not the number, but the concept of having those um, 50 professionals scattered across um, and, and creating a, a connection or a, a partnership. Um, so it's developing on that. But typically what next year will, will, will follow is um, uh, going back to something else I said in the podcast, it will be expanding after exhausting what I'm doing now and doing it very well 
um, it would be expanding into another service within this uh, within the brand. Another service is next year I'll be launching. It'll be the first time that I'm announcing it here, but it'll be the first I will be launching um, Zenopoly Build. Zenopoly is for planning permission. Zenopoly Build will be launched next year for construction to assist existing clients exclusively but with construction management, right? We're always being asked by existing clients after planning permission, can you please continue to help us? Can you, can you help us with building regulations? Can you help us with being on site? Can you help us this? Can you help us with finding contractors? Being true to what I say, I always want to um, um, stick to what I do best, but now given demand, next year I'll be launching Zenopoly Build, um, which is a construction management offering for exclusively to existing clients of the Zenopoly. So if you come externally, unfortunately, you won't be able to um, <clears throat> uh, uh, bring you board. But if you come internally through Zenopoly um, and we've got a relationship together, we, we've uh, worked together, then you will be eligible for Zenopoly build. And that's something that I'm really looking forward to. Um, other than that, we've got a, um, we've got a, um, I will be um, making one of our products independent, going back into the planning feasibility assessment that we've mentioned. Um, we've got a, uh, a new subscription service that I launched a week ago formally, um, and again, that would be formalised um, in itself uh, in the coming month with a website and an independent presence and so on, other than updating a few of the existing websites as well. And um, yeah, I mean, that's mainly uh, and that's mainly it in a nutshell, right? So and, just a uh, few things, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I tell you what, when you make these sort of ideas and these goals and these plans, it's something that you work towards, right? And then you say it's going to be done. It's just pushing it over the edge, right? Um, but that's mainly it. 2021 is a year of partnerships for me um, and expanding into the new um, service of Sinopoly Build. Um, and of course, it's making the um, new subscription service independent, which, um, which we've officially moved forward with, with a subscriber and so on. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot in that sense. Amazing. No, that sounds fantastic. Um, and that's just for 2021. So who knows what's going to happen in 2022. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and it's about personal development as well, right? Um, Keep pushing it's about personal Yeah, yeah. It's about personal development as well as expanding yourself. It's, um, and it's just an idea, it's just something that's come to my mind as well in terms of um, going back into the remote organization. Um, that I wanted to create in the beginning is to allow whoever's working with me to be flexible. Why? Because flexibility is really important. It's happiness is really important. Being, uh, it's, it's healthy, right? So I've had team members who have been on multiple trips in years, right? Um, they're going Canary Islands, they're going here, they're going Italy. Uh, myself, I came back from Venice a few weeks ago. In the beginning of the year, went to Sharm el Sheikh, in the middle of the year, went to Turkey. Um, but it's to create that situation where people are, <clears throat> they're working flexible, they're working, um, um, they're, they're delivering to a high quality standard in a, in a, in a speed that we're looking for, but they're very flexible, they, they're, um, it's healthy, it's happy, and, um, and when the client knows how you work as well, then you bring them on board and we're working all as a team, right? Um, so yeah, I mean it's flexibility, and from a personal perspective, it's developing to that. There's a few countries on my list I want to visit as well, right? So next year, <laughs> next year we'll include that within the um, within the 
within the goals. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I think there's a lot of people who want to get away now, don't they? They've been sort of cooped up for a while, so they're so desperate to uh, go and yeah, actually yeah, have, yeah. do something and, and get a bit more excitement in their lives, um, which is completely understandable. Um, so just to wrap it up, um, anyone, any advice for any um, anyone who's sort of looking to start their own business um, from, you know, what you've learned and, and how, you know, the, the path that you took when you started and the mistakes that maybe you made, anything that you could sort of pass on to the audience? What I would say is um, before you formalize, always to future-proof it and de-risk, right? Um, before you formalize something, um, don't think more in terms of, um, excuse me, don't think more in terms of, I need the name, I need the structure, I need the, um, I need the, the sign, you know, I need the shop, I need the office, I need all of this in place, you don't. So don't worry about what the things. What you need is you need to be very, yeah, yeah, don't worry about the things, worry about the, the end result before, right? You can't, you can't create something without nothing. So there's no, you don't need all of this if you haven't got the water running through it, right? There's, um, and what that is, is mainly your clients, right? Um, <clears throat> business is a people's, it's a, it's a, it's a people's sport, right? It's a, um, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's one-on-one. -on -one. You have to be able to um, put, before you start a business, put your client in the, um, put your client <clears throat> as the um as the end result and then work backwards leave the names leave the leave all of the formalities to one side put your client there and really understand them you having an hour-long conversation with your ideal client or your your first client um it's much more valuable than you um you doing all of this fancy stuff that's unless of course you need yeah, a structure yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in time right um, um but de-risk it by creating something and then work backwards to fill in the gap and then launch, right? So you need a pre-launch before a launch in some respects, right? Um, a, a, an informal pre-launch before launch. How, give us an example um, for again anyone listening um, who, who you know you mentioned that the de-risking. Can can you give them a, an example of what that maybe looks like and what that maybe means to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, de-risking. De one way to de-risk it before you start a limited company is to trade as a sole trader, for example. Right, that's one de-risking it. You're not formalizing it. And one another way to de-risk it. And then once it once there's legs in your idea, then you formalize it from a legal standpoint in that respect, right? Um, of course, it's legal, it's above board, but you're just formalizing within a company. Um, <clears throat> another another way is to um, is to one way is to work remotely, right? That's that's one way. Before you get an office presence, work remotely, see if there's any grounds, and then develop from there if you want to. If you don't, if you're happy doing what you're doing, then continue. Um, mm. The other way is don't pay for everything. Stop paying for um, stop paying for unnecessary things, right? You are sitting on a wealth of knowledge. You're sitting on a wealth of contacts. You're sitting on a wealth of everything. So start within yourself. Um, a lot of my, I mean, I my first client, my first ever client, my first ever client was my uh, my landlord from my second year during university my first ever client right and then other than that the second client was my barber right 
Um, then the third client was a, a, through a friend, uh, uh, and it just happened, for, and it came from there. And then as time goes on, then you start doing marketing, right? If you start like that, start with what you have um, and be reluctant. I mean, don't be stingy, right? But be reluctant to, um, to spend in areas that you don't need to because it's all in your mind. If you can't start something like that, then it's best you don't start it and you wait until you can. Um, and then once you've done that, after a few months, it's taken legs and you've built up traction. Um, you've got a few clients where you didn't you have you didn't have to pay a penny for, right? Um, because it's just purely on your reputation, your existing reputation, and so on. And if you haven't got that, then build that before you start. Um, but those are ways to sort of de-risk it, right? It should be minimal. I started the company with three hundred pound, and now we've got four to five hundred, um, four to five. Uh, um, uh, a team of four to five um, people, and I can't count the number of um, um, clients that we've serviced, right? And the 70% referral rate. This year alone, this year alone, I um, everything has been through referrals. This year specifically alone, it hasn't been an independent, um, it hasn't been a lead generation, anything. Everything is purely, this year's loan has been purely through um, referrals. And it just, um, it makes you appreciate because let's say if I, I didn't have an opportunity for any other um, um, lead generation platforms, then because of what's been built, it's without even doing anything, then it will, referrals will come in, right? So it's, um, that's the best way to de-risk it. Um, if you weren't to do anything, um, then what would be your, <clears throat> what would be your running cost? Lower your, um, lower your, you don't need a hundred thousand pounds to start, right? If you do, then it's, um, it's, it's a go big or go home sort of venture. And that's a different structure. That's if you want investors on board and so on. But even if you do want to do that, an investor will ask you to prove the concept. If you can't prove the concept of what you're doing, then what's the point? Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. That sounds good. That sounds good. I think that's some great tips there. Uh, fantastic. Well, Sam, listen, we'll wrap up. Um, yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, and for anyone out there, please uh, definitely check out um, Sam and Zanopoli if uh, if you need any planning help, of course. Um, uh, Zanopoli's on the socials, uh, Instagram and, and Facebook and all the usuals. So, uh, yeah, easy to find you if they need you. Um, and uh, and I wish you all the best um, for next year. I can't Likewise. wait to hear about Thank it. Very much. When we can eventually all meet up again properly, um, I'm getting up to London and we'll have to definitely yeah, yeah, catch up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely no, i really appreciate your time and invite me back on ben it's always a pleasure seeing you next time you're in london let me know and um i'd like to take you for coffee like you did with the, the breakfast um but absolutely it'll be a pleasure to see you again brilliant all right sam you take care mate okay have a lovely day take care yeah cheers buddy